Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters, and it's good to be back with you guys today. Uh, I did not release an episode last week, so I was thinking about it, but you know, with the Thanksgiving holiday, we ended up actually doing some traveling uh, to see some family, and I know a lot of other folks were probably traveling as well, so I did not get an episode out last week, so I apologize if you were looking for that. But I'm going to make it up to you this week with a really cool episode. Um, This week, I actually am going to talk to Baker Levitt of the Black Rifle Coffee Company. And um, a few, well, I guess it's a few months ago now, after I got back from New Mexico with Dan um, Staten from Elk Shape, I got a message in my Instagram inbox from Baker, and it just said, Black Rifle Coffee would like to send you some coffee. So I was like, mm, that sounds interesting. So, um, you know, the whole time I was in New Mexico with Dan, we pretty much started off every single morning. Um, I was usually the first guy up because I had to get my camera gear ready. And kind of the uh, the customary thing we would do is I would just kind of wake up and uh, hit the uh, coffee pot on. And we always started every day with breakfast and a big pot of Black Rifle coffee. And that's where I kind of um, started to enjoy the coffee. And um, so anyway, when I got back and then Baker sent me a big care package of um, coffee to try out. And they have a lot of really cool products for um, for hunters. You know, one of my favorites, um, you know, they make the instant coffee, which is good. But one of my favorites is actually they have coffee bags, which is, you know, basically just like a tea bag, but it's filled with coffee, obviously. So it's it's individually wrapped. It's really convenient to throw in your pack for backcountry trips or whatnot. Or if, you know, if you're doing a base camp, you know, you can bring along a regular bag of coffee or whatnot. But I really like those coffee bags for backcountry trips and whatnot. You can just boil your water up, throw in a bag, and boom, you got a fresh cup of coffee right there. And it's not like, you know, crappy, like, coffee. It's good coffee in, the, in a coffee bag. So I've been drinking the, been drinking those. And um, my other favorite from them is their Just Black uh, coffee blend. Um yeah, it's it's delicious, and I pretty much have started every morning in the last couple weeks with Black Rifle, so I highly recommend it. Um, so anyway, after he sent me the coffee, um, we kind of connected and and got a podcast on the calendar. And um, you know, Baker is a really entertaining guy. He's he's a very interesting guy. He's worked with a lot of different outdoor industry companies. He's full-time with Black Rifle. He's also done some work, may still be doing some work with Kimber uh, Firearms and just does a lot of stuff in the space. He has another cool project that we talk about called the Hunter Recruitment Project. Um, so just a really interesting, dynamic, uh, energetic, funny kind of guy who's got a lot of entrepreneurial stuff going on and just the kind of guy I really enjoy and, and get charged up from talking to. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this week's episode. Um, also, excitingly, um, you know, he set me up with a discount code for Black Rifle Coffee. So if you're a coffee junkie um, or you want to try out Black Rifle, um, you've probably heard of it. it. It is legit stuff. It's really good. Um, not just saying that because I like Baker, but their coffee is amazing. Um, 
but you can use the code HuntersQuest20. That's HuntersQuest20, and you'll get 20% off your first order at Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, give them a try. Um, you know, or if you have a coffee lover in your life that you want to hook them up for Christmas, use that code HuntersQuest20 and get 20% off. They also have a really good um, subscription service where you can just kind of get uh, coffee sent to you automatically. Um, but yeah, in this episode, we talk about everything from hunting in Africa to his journey from being a southern uh, southern guy and a new hunter into a western hunter. You talk about business and, you know, of course, like I, I like to normally do, I do put him on the spot about his spirituality and he talks about how, um, how the Bible and the book of Psalms and God really helped him get through a dark time in his life um, and it was, a, it was a cool story. So um, stick around for that. Um, I do want to also give a few shout outs for some guys that re- left me reviews, um, on Apple podcasts. Um, one person left as their name, just a bunch of question marks and exclamation points. So if that's you hit me up on Instagram. Um, also, uh, let's see <laughs> tea bags and Reverend night train. Um, if you guys are out there and you're listening, drop me a line on Instagram at the Hunter's Quest, and I'll send you some swag. Also, I got an interesting comment from Kyle Tr um, regarding some of the conversation I had with Johnny Mac on the last episode about COVID and kind of some of my spiritual beliefs. So, you know, I'm sorry if I offend anyone out there with what I said, but you know, it's what I believe. I'm not saying you have to believe the way I believe, but I'm also not going to water down my beliefs, so go back and listen to that episode if you want. But Kyle TR, if you're out there, um, I hope I didn't offend you too much, and go ahead and hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to continue a dialogue if you want to talk more about what what your comment was about. Um, and also, I'm happy to send you some swag in the mail as well for sending me for leaving me a review. Um, so anyway, guys, if you get a minute and you can, you know, if you get a minute and you would like to support the show. As always, it's very helpful if you can leave me a written review and or a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. Also, please, please go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, just search my name, Hunter McWaters, and you'll find my YouTube channel. I am really looking forward to releasing the video series that I shot and produced in Kodiak this year. Um, it's going to be an awesome video series. We came back with three really good blacktail bucks and my buddies was a hundred plus inch, just monster blacktail. And, um, the way the story went is really cool. However, I ordered a new computer on November 1st and due to supply chain issues, it's not going to be here till the end of December. And my old computer I'm on right now just will not handle the footage. So, I'm kind of sitting on my hands uh, at a standstill getting those films out, but they will be out, you know, early, early 2022. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel, search my name, Hunter McWaters. And um, anyway, um, again, I just want to say one last time, um, it, it also really helps me and it helps to support the show. If you will, Give Black Rifle Coffee a try. Like I said, it's it, I'm not just saying it. I've been drinking this stuff for a couple months now and using several different products, and it's legit. It's great coffee. And if you use my code, Hunter's Quest 20, 
you will save 20% and you will be doing me a favor as well as getting some awesome coffee. So please do that and please enjoy this episode. I know you will. Baker is a very entertaining guy. So go ahead and enjoy this episode and please share with friends and family and we will see you guys on the next one. Thanks. If you guys are just joining us, I'm here with my guest, Baker Levitt from Black Rifle, but also other companies as well. You do a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I am uh, a hunting community manager for Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, I consulted with Black Rifle for six years. I think I linked up with Black Rifle like within its first year of existence. Mm -hmm. And then um, I own a marketing company called Digital Mongoose. Okay. And uh, I'm full-time at Black Rifle, and I also own this marketing company. I've got a handful of employees that just do phenomenal work. But I work with a bunch of different brands in the space, um, in the outdoor space, consulting, social media, how to do stuff. My primary, I think what I'm probably best at is telling you what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Like any, anybody can copy someone else's success. Like that's really easy. Sure. You know, like, oh, I'm going to start a coffee company that's going to go public. That's not, oh, I'll just, I know I can do that. But like the things that you don't see are what happens on the backside, you know, and what goes into stuff like that and um, mistakes that have been made, money lost, you know, deals screwed up because of human error mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes rushing into stuff or, you know, just bad, I call it the good idea fairy, just bad ideas. <laughs> and that's mainly the, that's what I'm really good at. It's like, hey man, like, the basics are the basics blocking and tackling is block blocking and tackling like the basics are the basics for a reason or it's like exercise fitness like someone gets into weightlifting or powerlifting mm -hmm. and they get bored with basic barbell work and they want to they see all this shit on instagram people working with bands and chains and all that stuff or i need to be doing the conjugate method it's like no stick to basic barbell work yeah you know um and so that's, you know, the good idea for people like, oh, you know, well, we need to think outside the box. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need to think outside of shit. Just do man. the box well. Stay in the box because yeah. that's that's how it works. Like you stay in that box <laughs> and you're going to be fine. But you start venturing out with some of these harebrained ideas. Right. I hear it all the time. Like, I dude, it drives me crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> I hear you, man. Um, yeah. So Black Rifle, um, you know, uh, I started consulting with Black Rifle six years ago. And I've, so I'm, I'm 45 years old and I've been hunting for three decades. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like a, a good hunter, but like, I think you'd be really hard pressed to find someone that has as much fun as I do doing it. Nice. Like with my, I always hunt with my friends. I rarely do solo stuff. Like yeah, I'm not big on the solo stuff either. It's yeah. more enjoyable when you can share it with somebody. Yeah, exactly, man. And like, if you're a solo, like do it yourself solo person, like I think you're a bit of a serial killer. <laughs> Case in point, Dan Staten. I love Dan. I'd say this Dan's face. Dan Staten is a weird dude. He's a peculiar guy. He really is. I'd say yeah. it to his face and he knows it. And guess where Dan's at peace by himself with his little pop tart abs, little ravioli abs that are just perfect <laughs> out in the wilderness. Yeah. And a foot of snow freezing his skinny little ass off. But, um, so uh. I, I remember um, my good friend Sloan, when he worked for Backbone Media, um, you know, Sloan is now the hunting community manager. He has my job at Yeti. Gotcha. And um, they had this short film called Place of Peace. Mm. And it's about Bobby Farmer, who is a third group guy. And it, it, for those listening, and you, you included, um, 
please, please watch this short film. It's called Place of Peace. And so Bobby was super active overseas in the war on terror, saw a lot of bad stuff, did a lot of bad stuff, came back, had the, you know, dealt with issues of, you know, low, low adrenaline withdrawal and PTSD and all that stuff and the pills and the booze. And I think he had a pistol in his mouth, mouth one night at the kitchen table and mm. remembered he'd turned, he forgot to turn the light off in the barn. So before he blew his head off, he walked out to the barn to turn the light off and saw this old bow, one arrow, grabbed a hay bale, started shoot, hadn't shot it and God knows how long started shooting this arrow into this target. Yeah, he did it all night and it didn't kill himself. Wow. And so we came up with the term therapy 20 paces at a time. Hmm. And um, I just thought, man, that's really, really cool. And, you know, like Evan and Matt um, from Black Rifle, like Evan's the CEO, Matt's co-founder. I call Matt like the number two, like he, he I mean, titles, whatever. Matt's yeah. the number two guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I gotcha. And uh I just remember thinking like, man, that'd be cool. So I actually bought them their first bows. Oh, nice. I bought them a Hoyt, each a Hoyt. And I got Logan Stark a Hoyt and paid for them out of my own pocket. My good friend at Hoyt, Evan Williams, gave me a discount, nice. but I still paid cash. And um, so I gave them the bows and, you know, Black Rifle headquarters in Salt Lake City. And um, so I had Evan take him over to, you know, the Eastern range and got him dialed in. I was like, how'd they do? And he was like, there, he's like, are you sure these guys have never shot? I was like, no. He's like, well, Evan's the better shot. He goes, but Matt's a natural. And I was mm. like, all right. So I'll share that tidbit of information with them and get, because they're both psychotically competitive, you know, <laughs> with each other in different yeah. general life. And the, you know, the whole goal of that was to get them into hunting and to get them. Mm. It wasn't because they have PTSD. They, they don't, that I'm aware of, or any, I've never seen any, uh, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I just was like, Hey man, right. Like, I'm going to buy them these bows because I want this company to expand in the hunting space. I think it's a natural progression. Wow. And so, Thanks. so you're, you're like integral in, in getting black rifle in that direction, huh? I'm not going to sit here and say that I am responsible for it, but I am responsible for it. <laughs> and, and, and listen, man, I did it for selfish reasons. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, oh you know, noble conservation. You know, Bob, I'm not saying no, that's not why I did it. Yeah. I did it because, I knew that the things that the core competencies of the company, veteran initiatives, pro two way, serving great coffee to great Americans. Just there's no way on my worst, on my best day, I'm as good as Evan at that on his, on his worst day. I can't compete with him in those verticals because that's his life. However, all of them combined can't hold a candle to me with three decades of hunting experience. Yeah. So that was the, I thought, okay, how can, how can I be a wolf amongst wolves? Okay, well, if I can get it to a point where I'm leading us into the hunting vertical, that's how I can thrive in the company. Nice. And so that was my plan. And it's actually worked in this summer. We had a conversation. It's time to expand and the hunting came up and it's like, there's no other person but you. And so um, awesome. I started in mid August and we're moving right along. Yeah. And um, Black Rifle is such a, a big voice in that community and like I got a chance to go to TAC this year and met mm-hmm. Tier and some of the other dudes and um here's a great guy. Yeah. And just a really cool company. Um I love what it says on the back of I think on some of your coffee bags it says like coffee here coffee for people who love America. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it says. Yeah Tier's awesome. Tier's a twenty year Green Beret. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the man, dude. I did a little bit of like podcasting with him, just like in the field, and uh, really enjoyed meeting him. Well, you you talk to the, what's really cool is you spend time around guys like that, like that has spent a lot of time in different special units, 
and you realize what it takes to thrive in mm. those environments. So tier is a sergeant major. That is the highest rank an enlisted soldier can obtain in the U.S. Army. So mm. he's basically in a, like a general kind of sort of. Yeah. And so he's had to navigate that total environment. And um, great guy, always in a good mood, always, even when he's pissed, like he'll call me, but hey, man, I need to vent to you for a second. Well, all right, dude, let's hear it. Like he's just a positive, even when he's bitching, he's positive about it. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Like he's yeah. got this way of complaining, like in a really upbeat manner. Like I need to work on that shit because I just lose my mind. <laughs> all this. But um, so it's great. Uh, big announcement yesterday. Um, I'm very yeah. limited in what I can and can't say, but. It's sure. public knowledge now. Black Rifle is going public. Mm. Uh, we had a $1.7 billion evaluation, um, which is crazy. But if you've been involved with the brand as long as I have, like, I'm not, and this is going to sound so stupid. I am not the least bit surprised. Like, I'm not blown away. I'm not, like, over the moon. I'm not, okay, like, what's next, Evan? So, like, if you look at Evan Hafer, um, and like, I'm not trying to earn my Evan Hafer, you know, ass kiss and merit badge, but like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a leader. Okay. So to speak, I am a guy, I'm a team player. I'm a very strong team player. I'm a spoke in a wheel. I can carry the weight of like three or four spokes. I can do a lot. And like, you're pushing a rock up a hill. I'm going to be there. Both shoulders behind it, pushing as hard as I got. Yeah. Evan was a green beret. He was part of the invasion of Iraq at like at the age of like 20 or 21 or 22, mm. super young at in his late 20s, 27, 20, 20, he's managing projects, managing parts of northern Afghanistan for the CIA. Okay. Wow. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And then starts a coffee company while serving his country as a Green Beret and a contract with the CIA and starts this coffee company with 1800 bucks. And now it's worth $1.7 billion. Wow. Evan's 44. That's what amazing. Next? And it, it, it like, I, it's in, in the, I think what's really fascinating, man, is like, it's all hard work. Like, like Evan, middle-class family, Matt Best, middle-class family, Jared Taylor, middle-class family, Richard Ryan, poor, uh, Logan Stark, like middle-class, you know, dad drove a truck, you mm -hmm. know, um, and no rich relatives, no crazy inheritance. None of them won the lottery. Um, I would say none of them are like, like psycho brilliant people. Um, they're not like professional athletes. You just learn that like what hard work and, and um, just grit can yeah. accomplish. Like I, I learned one time sitting in a room with them, like the one thing I think that it was like Evan and Matt and like a couple other like special mission unit guys that Evan's friends with special mission unit is like Delta or ground branch, of the CIA or like yeah. SEAL team. I think it was like two of those other guys in the room and like, we're just sitting there talking and I was just kind of looking around and I was like, so what do these guys have? Like the match six to 220 silver spoon, good looking dude, super strong. But like Evan's like five, eight and like Terry, who I think Terry was there. Terry's like five, seven on a good day. Um, I don't know who the other guys, but he was like five, six. It's just like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, what's going on? Like here I have like the, you know, this like body of Adonis, body of David looking dude. And then you have like these little, you know, I'm five ten, So they're short guys, whatever. Yeah. And it's just self-control. Mm. Same thing with my brother. So my brother was a force recon Marine. My brother um, was basically like, I mean, truly my brother's like a little piece of shit, you know, like growing <laughs> up. He was, he was a, he was a <laughs> loser. Um, and like, he was a pothead. Yeah, okay. okay. Like 
and we're talking like in the 90s yeah so he's a 90s pothead okay she's just kind of you know whatever like super baggy jeans chain wallet kind of guy no no not that he was just a (laughs) shithead and um we were like you got to do something you need to go away or join the military so he joined the marine corps and like he's a force recon marine um from 98 to 2005 uh you know deployed and all that stuff and um and the le- his last deployment was Northern Africa, and the level of suffering he saw um, made him want to be a, want to help people. So now he's mm-hmm. a he's a physician. He's a Stanford fellow. Like, oh, nice. He went to medical school, and then he went to did a fellowship at Stanford, which is like one of the hardest ones in the world to get yeah. into. And it, I look at my brother, and it's just like he's not like super intelligent. It, that's not. I mean, he he. I mean, he worked his ass off. It's just self control. Mm. So, and just grit and discipline. And the ability to say, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to stick my nose in this book, or I'm going to sit here and I'm mm-hmm. not leaving this desk until I solve this problem. And that's one of the things that like Evan and those guys have in spades, like Evan in particular, you know, and it's, it's just been, it's really been really impressive to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, and you, you learn so much from observing people. Like I'm, I've always been in the circle of friends, but like not until recently have I kind of worked my way into the center of the business. And like my, I have a saying, like, I want to, create the news i don't want to be the news like you won't you'll see me in like some of the older content and stuff but like i don't want to be in front of the camera like that's i don't give a shit about that like i don't like i've got like twelve thousand seven hundred instagram followers i probably should have about 300 because i think it's about 300 people actually give a shit about what i do but like (laughs) if i wanted that i could have had that yeah but like for me, the like I could have been one of the guys that focused on trying to be in the content and be out in front of the camera and all this crazy stuff. But like I was more interested in just observing and learning and watching from these people. And sure. I've done that. And it's been extremely helpful for, yeah. for me, just in life in general. And it's just helped me be more successful. Yeah. And you talk about your brother and stuff, too. But I mean, you're no schmo either. I know you went to NYU for grad school, not an easy school to get into, and you've done oh, some cool things in your career. So, I mean, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And like kind of bringing that full circle back into hunting. Do you think uh, you guys learned any of your, or do you think you learned any of your grit or your hard work from the outdoors or where did that kind of come from? No, dude, I've always kind of gotten a kick out of that shit. Like, so my dad was a Green Beret for 22 years. Mm. My, my dad went through the second Q course of all time. And um, my dad uh, got his CIB, his combat, inf- combat infantryman's badge in Laos in 1960. Mm. So my dad spent two years in Laos, two years in Cambodia. He did two tours in Vietnam. So he was six tours total in Southeast wow. Asia. And my dad, dad died in 1981 of a heart attack. I was, I was five. My brother was eight weeks old. My mom was a oh, graduate. Wow. Dang. And, and that was a long, long, long time ago. Um, and the one thing for me has always been like, if you really want to fucking piss me off, like you want to fight, like feel sorry for me. That's always been like, my mother would tell you, I've always wanted to raise myself and she didn't have the strength to fight me on it. And my mother will tell you, she said, I've never in my life worried about Baker. Not ever one time, no matter where he's been, I've always known he'll be okay. My brother, my mother worries to this day, like makes herself sick. It's like, he's a physician, wife, two kids, like, you know, like totally by the book life. Right. Mine's a little different, but the thing for me is like, I, if I'm cold, okay, I always, and wet, and it's rainy and I'm miserable, I always kind of default back to like Chris Irwin, who is the president of Kill Club. And I think like, Chris has been cold and wet. And if Chris can fucking do it, I know I can. No offense to Chris. I've, Chris was a gold squad. I 
ton of respect for him. Um, and then like, like my, if I'm out, like out West and my feet start hurting or something, I always think about crispy. Uh-huh. So he's got one leg, you know? And it's like, I have two feet, both hurt. I bet he would trade spots with me in a New York minute. If, it, if he could feel his other foot, you know, here I am. Yeah. So like, it's basically the thing that kind of pushes me through and like, it motivates me is like my friends and stuff. And yeah. like, um, I've always viewed myself as like a, a, a starter. Like I've always felt that I belonged on the field and like mm. my entire life, career, high school, college. Um, and like just pro- solving problems and making decisions based on companies I work with. Like I just need to be involved and like, I just kind of just push my way through stuff and always, and, and ultimately like I know hunt with outfitters a lot. Like I, you know, I travel, I mean, I've hunted on four continents and 20 some States. Like mm. I've done a lot of stuff with outfitters and it's like, even when it sucks, it's like, Oh, I'm paying for this. Like I can't complain. Like I'm yeah. here because I like, no one's forced me to be here. It's just me. Right. You know? So, um, it's uh it's been an interesting journey but i think like, i truly get better like dude i hated hunting when i was like in high school oh really oh dude sitting still oh, oh, yeah. that's back before trail cams and people didn't know we didn't have the internet we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. no one knew shit about wind stuff like that like <laughs> i mean what yeah. like what, what's what does wind mean you know what i mean right uh yeah man um how's your season been going so far oh god holy shit man um so Early September, I was out in Curtis, Nebraska, uh-huh. uh, doing spot and stalk mule deer. Got a nice four by four, full velvet. Nice. Ooh, nice. Epic. I was shooting. I wanted it. There was a three by four that was probably 12 inches taller than him. And that's when I wanted, but like I, I shot the wrong deer. <laughs> but still, if you look at my Instagram, dude, like it's a, it's a hammer, you know, it's nice. like, I can't complain about that. Um, I saw then, a group of mule deer in New Mexico when I was with Dan and it was like the first big mule deer I'd seen close. And right. like, I thought they were elk at first. Cause I'm looking at like South Southern whitetails, you know, and right. like, it's not even the same like ballpark. I'm fascinated by mule deer dude. So like, can you, that's Ooh, the, nice. Dang that's dude. Yeah. Dude. That was um, and I walked up and I went, God damn it. I shot the wrong deer. And everybody's like, <laughs> that thing's awesome. I was like, yeah, but it was the wrong one. Um, and then two weeks later I was out in, uh, in Colorado, uh, elk hunting and put that 381 inch beast on the ground. Good night, dude. Hold on. Get back. That thing looks um, as massive as like my legs or something. G3s are 23 inches. Jeez. And then the next day, um, I've got that bear. Oh, wow. Nice man. My first bear, 400 pounder. The, the game board, he goes, this is your first bear. I said, yes, sir. He goes, you'll never shoot another one bigger than this. And I was like, I'll, I'll take it. It was dude. No, 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 uh, no hair slippage, like chocolate phase, like just gorgeous. Nice. Was that archery or rifle rifle? Okay. And then, um, uh, back at here in Georgia and then our, like we're in pre rut right now. So when this is over, I'm going to throw a couple things in the truck and I'm heading back up to the farm. We were at the farm this past weekend, shot some does. Uh, so whitetail hunting, I've shot a couple does this year. I think I've shot three, um, and uh i just have this weird feeling like this weekend's gonna, we're gonna put some horns on the ground like i i, I got a couple bucks that are like that are daylighting themselves uh-huh. you know yeah um and like had one pop out on camera yesterday it's just like oh my god where has he been <laughs> nice um man. so yeah i'm i'm a i have a really good feeling about this weekend nice. but yeah as far as like how my season's going like i don't think it could go any better yeah like, it's just one of those years so far. Um, and then I've got, uh, I'm going out to Falco 
uh, for Genesis. I've got a duck hunt out there in Oklahoma. Nice. And then we have, um, uh, I'll, I'll do Axis and Whitetails in Texas as Sweet. well. Cool, yeah. man. So, pretty pumped. Yeah, it sounds like a great year. I just crawled out of the, the deer woods this morning, actually. Actually, I resorted to, this is the first time I've done this, I think. Well, maybe second. I actually hunted in a ditch. Have you ever done that? What, you like sat on the ground in a ditch? <laughs> like in the ditch. So like just my head was popping out over and I could see the deer, like trench warfare style. <laughs> no, I've never done that. <laughs> it was interesting. No, that's not true. I have, actually, I have. I did that. So we, my family, um, we had a farm outside of Savannah called Rockingham Farms, which is like 1,100 acres. Nice. Uh, we actually sold it back in April um, to the city of Savannah. Mm. Um, and yes, I did. I shot two button bucks with a 30-30 rifle. Nice from the ditch nice. this was, that was dude that was 20 years 25 years ago yeah thought i was the man thought i knew thought i was the man yeah, and I was, that's awesome i was like damn it man button bucks <laughs> but that's no dude that's when i was in grad no it wasn't 20 years ago that was that's when i was in grad school because i was just like i was getting as many deer as i could and i was getting as much meat as i could yes take back to new york city for sure and like all the members of my gym like i'd give everybody like a bunch of venison like i had a rental car like literally packed with coolers when i say pack dude i mean pack. that's awesome really yes yeah. so um you know we're fo- we're fellow southern southern men um uh-huh. that have gone out west and and what's that whole journey been like for you like going from a southern whitetail guy to, to out west so like, you mentioned earlier about how the turkeys here are harder to kill and i think i don't know i think a lot of guys get Sometimes there's shade thrown about, oh, you know, whitetail fit and, you know, you know, deer hunting is like easy or something. But like, you know, I, I've been to Alaska this year hunting blacktails. I just got back from a pronghorn hunt in Wyoming. Uh, I was in New Mexico with Dan. And yeah, these like does that I saw this morning were 10 times more skittish than any other animal I've seen all year. Like anyone that talks trash about Southern whitetails doesn't know what they're doing. Doesn't know what they're yeah. talking. <laughs> For sure. But like you'll you'll bust a mule deer. He'll run fifty yards and turn broadside and look at you. Mm-hmm. A white tail's gonna run for three miles. You'll never see him. And if it's a big buck, first of all, if it's a big buck, you're not gonna see him. Right. <laughs> He's just gonna turn around and walk away, and never come back. Yeah. So I tell people, I say, if you can target a southern whitetail, a buck and hunt and kill that buck with a bow, you can kill anything on this continent. Mm, for sure. And I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I, I'm right. I agree with you. It's like yeah. elk hunting. Like, listen, man, elk hunting is easy. Elk hunting is really easy. I've been elk hunting six times and killed six elk. Hmm. Five of the Four of those have been on the first day. Find the elk, they're easy to kill. People can argue with me. They can fight and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't give a shit. Um, so... My first four elk I killed on the first day with a bow on public land wow. out west. Nice. And, I, and I'm not a public land guy. I don't give a shit. I'm a, I'm a let's go hunting guy. Yeah. You got a spot on public land? Let's go. You got a spot with an outfitter? It's got good stuff? Let's go. Like whatever. I don't judge. I don't ask. Bow, bow or rifle? Public land or private? Like who gives a shit? Like right. fuck you, man. Like I don't tell people how to do manage their land. If you're in Texas and you want to put three high fences on your property, like if you want a high fence, your high fence, your high fence, <laughs> but, and bring in zebras and giraffes and shit. 
I'm all about it. Do yeah. it. Yeah. Do it. Um, you know, and you'll post pictures of the giraffe you shot in Texas, and I will laugh <laughs> at you. But listen, it's not about me. I'm a stranger. Why do you care what I think? Right. Um, but you know, and then the, now the I tr- see why you get along with Cable from Lone Star. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. No, Cable is great. I talked yeah. to him. Um, but like, uh, you talk like we talk about the turkey hunting, and like the thing that breaks my heart is Western hunters are like, oh my god, that's so stupid. Turkey hunting is so stupid. It's like, hey man, like I get it. You're out mule deer hunting and elk hunting in the fall, and like you see flocks of hundred. That's birds on their fall pattern. Right. Yeah, you could go kill them with a baseball bat sometimes. But I want you to go do that in the spring. Take your baseball bat and your turkey call. No gun or bow. Just take your baseball bat and go get one. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, but so back to your question. So when I grew up, I, I'm from Savannah, Georgia, you know, so for people listening. And when I grew up, I'll, I'll, I'll do it two ways. You, you grow up as a Southerner and you want to go to Africa or you want to go to um, – Hold on one second. You want to go to Africa or you want to go to out West and, and hunt elk yeah. or bears or whatever. Like you either want to go to Africa or you want to go out West. And so for me, it was always Africa. The call was Africa. So mm-hmm. I hunted in Africa several times before I hunted out West. Yeah. Um, and my, the whole Western hunting thing, man, it's beautiful. It's stunning. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'll, I'll kill an elk every fall and for the rest of my life that I'm physically capable of doing that. Yeah. I will go out West every fall and shoot one. I'm really interested about in the mule deer, just cause I think mm-hmm. like, honestly, man, I think they are the coolest species. Yeah. Like a big, robust, like wide boxy muley, super badass. Yeah. I agree. Um, and it's such a fragile species. Like if you look at whitetail, if you look at places where whitetails and mule deer cohabitate, and if you look at that over time, your white tail, so your mule deers are going to drop one fawn, whereas your white tails, it'll trigger a mechanism. They will always drop two to try and overtake the mule deer population. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it, it actually really is. Huh. Um, but yeah, I'm really fascinated with the mule deer. The only problem with mule deer is mule deer tastes like shit. Really? Fact. Huh. Hold on. Melissa, don't we think mule deer is gross? Yeah, we don't like it. And so, and, but you like know how to like take care of meat and cook it right and all that. And it's still not good. I mean, every once in a while you'll get a decent one. I've had one. Interesting. Yeah. They're not, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Let's be honest with each other. Don't let's not act like it's good. I've never eaten it. So I don't know. Yeah. It's nasty. It eats sage all day. It's a nasty bastard. But pronghorn, pronghorn eats sage and they're pretty good. I think that's a stupid animal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, have you hunted them before? No, no. Well, once in in West Texas, I have, I have no interest in, in pronghorns. But like, I've oh, okay. like, I've got friends that are like totally legit and hooked on it, and like they're really good at it. And I, yeah. it's, I'm impressed by it. I just I don't have any interest. So, for me to take a week off and like go out west and go hunting and something like, it's going to be elk. Yeah, it's 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 going to be elk. No, it's, I hear you. It's just got to be like pronghorn like i like pronghorns way down on the bucket list like bears like that bear i shot wasn't planned it was just kind of like a bonus bear Uh um but yeah like i for me going forward the falls will be um uh elk and then like i'd like to get on like a really good quality like trophy mule deer hunt like next Mm -hmm. year like that's i'd love to get like i've got a really nice muley 
on the wall, but like I want one of those just tanks. Super. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about the mule deer? It's like my idea of a trophy mule deer. Like I, I know so little about the species. Like it doesn't have to be like a five by five or six by six or this or that. It's just like I'm so new to the species that like it's just what I like. Like I just look and like, oh man, he's like that's a three by three. I was like, yeah, dude, but that thing's like 35 inches wide and a yard tall. Yeah, like that is a cool ass like, looking. Yeah, exactly. Three. By, <laughs> I'll take it with like coke can bases all that any yeah. day of the week. I'd shoot that. So yeah, they're they're definitely interesting, man. And then Where's, I've got like. On the uh, on the bucket list, I've got um, and like I've shot some really good whitetail, but like I don't have like that that monster. Yeah, I'd like to get that. I want to get that, and then I'm gonna go back to Africa this summer. Um, I've been over there a bunch. I, I haven't been in a few years, but like I've been kind of the bugs kind of yeah bite in the ass, and then I want to take Melissa with me. Um, who she just got into hunting last year, and she shot four or five. Whitetail now with nice. the rifle. Nice. Dude, she heart shots them. She <laughs> every time. The perfect shot every single time. I've never seen anything like it. Dude, I've always heard that women are usually better marksmen or at least learn faster than men. No, because they follow instruction. Right. And they There's no macho crap. Yeah. They're just like, okay, and they do it. No expectations, so they just do what they told and just normally 12 ring it. Yeah. Whereas guys are like, yeah, I'm, I'm a dude, I shoot a gun. So, um, <laughs> totally. So, yeah, it's, um, it's been a good year. It's going to be, it was a bunch of cool stuff going on. Like, we've got a HRP, a hunter recruitment event this weekend where we're taking a bunch of people that have never been hunting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, before. that's an interesting project. Yeah. So, that's, um, everyone starts arriving tomorrow. We've got, how many hunters you got coming? So, we have Julia Stallings, who's, uh, on Team USA shooter Matt Freitas, who's a writer for Coffee or Die magazine. Josh Golke is a writer for Coffee or Die magazine. Emily Philippi works for an optics company called Right On. Uh, Robert Mattarelli, who's head of e-commerce for Black Rifle Coffee. Stephen Robinson, uh, who lives down here in in, uh, in Florida. And then my brother Mitchell, my little twelve-year-old nephew Gavin. We got Mark Woolley, myself, Jamie Shire, and Michael Howe. Nice. So, Packed house. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve people. Nice. And do you do that on your property? Yeah, our property in America, Georgia. Nice. Okay. Um, so it'll be fun. Like uh, we did one a few weeks ago, and everyone we're we're batting a thousand. We had the first hunter not kill a doe, but she had, she missed four times. So she had a chance. So that's not a fault. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. One of the shots was like 80 yards, you know. I think hmm. she was just uncomfortable with the – I think she wanted the shot to be too perfect. Yeah. So deer will stay still for a while, but, you know, sometimes you just don't get the perfect shot. Yeah. So just and it's a white tail and it's a 30 out 6 so just shoot him in the shoulder. Yeah. Like you don't have I to mean, shoot him in the heart. You can – one shoulder down, that's all you need. It's done. But going back to the Africa thing, man, like the one thing that like I've always, well, first of all, there's still so many cool hunts on North America that I still want to do. So I'm like, I can't really justify going to Africa. But the other thing is too, is like the meat is such a big deal for me. And like, just the idea of like not being able to bring my meat home, just, I just can't. Would you rather take the meat home and put it in your freezer with all your other meat? Or would you rather give it to an orphanage and feed? Well, that's, that's true too. That's, that's a pretty cool program as well. It's extremely cool. Like you don't understand. So like if you were to come with us, so first of all, Africa is the most affordable hunt on the planet. Hmm. 
it doesn't get cheaper. So for $2,500, you can shoot six planes game animals. It's phenomenal. Flight's going to cost you about $1,500. Tip is 10% of what you spend. So $2,500, your tip is $250. You tip $100 to service people. So you're all in it for under $5,000. Mm. For sure. Like, yeah. And there's no hidden costs or fees. You don't have to get shots or any of that shit. Um, but um, what was I going to say? What countries do you go to? South Africa. Okay. Yeah. So Africa is super affordable. And then if we were to land in Johannesburg and I were to say, all right, man, I want you to tell me every town and community that we go through that has a hunting concession attached to it. And then I want you to tell me the ones that don't have a hunting concession attached to it. You get a hundred on the quiz because you drive through town. What does that mean? It has a hunting concession attached to it. A hunting operation attached to it. Okay. There's hunting near. So there's food, there's jobs, there's meat, there's mm. people, there's schools, there's clothes, like barren wasteland where there's no concessions versus a town that has a hunting concession. There's work and things yeah. for people to do. And so are they it. on like, yeah. um, are they on like managed, uh, kind of, I don't know, fenced off area or not even fenced, but just like managed areas. Cause I, I did some work in Africa and, um, the country is slipping my mind right now. Um, but anyway, um, Uganda and yeah. like, I didn't see a single wild animal of any type. It was like every single thing that walks had been killed and consumed like right. decades so, ago. Yeah. So most of South Africa is high fenced, okay. but it's not like a small game farm in Africa is 10,000 hectares. That's 25,000 acres. Wow. So that's, then that's a small one. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. You have a little farm really neat. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Um, and the places that aren't fenced are owned by the state. And that's why you don't see any animals. Gotcha. They're not managed. Right. So what they do on these, on the game farms, game ranches, whatever you want to call them, um, food, shelter, resources, jobs, you know, predation control, um, it's managed. So you, you have unmanaged versus managed management, thriving, unmanaged, non-existent, desolate. There's nothing yeah, there. Right. And you'll have people like, Oh man, Africa, that's cheating. Like, you know, hunting a high fence. It's like, Oh, okay, sure. Have you ever been in a high fence? No, probably not. You're just bitching on the internet about something you know nothing about. Right. Um, Cause you're just jealous of someone getting to go do something that you can't, nor will you ever be able to do. Yeah. Um, so it's in Africa. It's not hard hunting. It's just like, it's just awesome. Like, dude, it's awesome. You're in Africa. And then like probably the best part about going to Africa and hunting over there is like, you come back and you're basically off social media for a week and you come back and you see all these, people running around with their hair on fire. Like, Oh my God, we live in the worst country in the world. America is so horrible. It's like, Hey yeah. dude, I just came from Africa. Yeah. Let me tell you about horrible conditions. Yeah. You don't know shit. Shut your mouth. You got no idea what you're talking about. Um, sure. It just puts things in perspective, man. But like that, like, honestly, man, like going to Africa with my friends is without a doubt, my favorite thing in the world to do. Like that is like, I've never laughed harder and I laugh a lot. Like, then I have it, some of the stuff we've done in Africa. I mean, like falling on the ground, like you just, you just, you're removed from society and you're removed from, you know, the pressures of work and stress of work and people asking you questions and having to be a decision maker and all this crazy stuff and like social media and 
media in general tend to be negative. And you get over to Africa and you're just like, holy shit, dude. On my worst day. On yeah. my worst day, I got it better than anyone over here has it on yeah. their best day. Yeah. Like and poor make, people in America are rich over there. Well, there are, poor people in America are also fat. Yeah, that's the that's the I've been thinking about that a lot lately. It's so weird. Like it's the first in the time history. in human history where yeah. poor people the are the fat ones. Are the fat ones. Yeah. yeah, that's not how it's supposed to work, man. No. So, um, it dude, it's like it's like nothing I've ever experienced. And I, I think everyone should do it at, at some point in their life. Like, dude, it's just it's amazing. Um, okay. You kind of talked me into it. Well, we're going this summer if you'd like to come. You yeah. run a camera, right? I do. And maybe we can get you a massive discount on the trip if you do it. Run some camera work. It, yeah. it, it, it seriously did it's legit like it's it's wild it's wild it's it wild. sounds cool and like like you said i just it kind of the bell kind of went off I, you always hear about hunting and conservation but like the bell went off when you said that is because like i've been to africa not on a game ranch but i've seen like african countryside like we drove for hours to the countryside i did not see a single wild animal like not a deer far away like nothing so that really shows me right there is like this is legit. Like the only places there are animals is because there's hunters coming there. And if yeah. they weren't those, there would be nothing because everything would have gotten killed and consumed decades ago. I will give you a fact. If you want a species to thrive, monetize it. Mm. Look at lions. Look at, look, look at sheep. The richest people in this, the richest hunters in the world hunt sheep and hunt lions. Mm-hmm. Why are those populations like I'm not going to say they have unlimited resources to help those populations, but like the Wild Sheep Foundation, who actually Black Rifle, we're in the process. I was talking to Keith last night. We're in the process of working out a sponsorship deal with them. Nice. Um, they can raise like seven million bucks in 30 minutes at an auction. Wow. To, and that's to preserve and help sheep and sheep are a super fragile species mm. like cwd and all that stuff just kicks their ass like mm. it literally kicks their ass um and pneumonia beats the shit out of them and like they're just super fragile um but yeah like you could and like my favorite thing in africa is just like going with i've taken the, i don't know probably 50 people over the years that have never been and like you just see their faces and they're just like hey man what is that I'm like, that's an impala. Can I shoot it? Well, you can, but maybe we wait for a bigger impala. Yeah. Okay. Two days later, they've seen 400 impala, you know, and then yeah. it's like, oh, I, I, I get I get it now. I get, yeah. it. I get it. So, yeah, it, you just like, and you see someone like they see their first giraffe, like in the wild, and you just don't forget those moments. Like, they're just like, what? Is, and giraffe are huge. Like, dude, they're huge. A giraffe's ankle is that big around. Jeez. Like, they're just and like their heart is like this and then you see cape buffalo and stuff and then you know do you just see cool stuff that you don't get to see and like it's there's no light pollution dude you want to talk about camera work mm. dude, there's not a drizzle of of light pollution over there wow. and this is another interesting in the winter which is basically like our fall in, in florida yeah they, there's no bacteria in the air literally none like it's super pure like it's wow. crazy yeah. yeah people don't realize that it's awesome and yeah, then like you know cool, like you you um you eat like a king the service is unbelievable it's just oh, dude the fun. food over there i was like expecting to like lose weight and the food not to be good it was bomb so good i yeah. gained like probably 10 pounds over there <laughs> yeah so the i took logan stark logan who's a vp of media for black rifle uh he's a partner of the company logan and i went 
six years ago uh-huh. and like i remember one night like yeah we're having like warthog ribs and i was like oh cool and like i and a warthog rib they're like that long mm. and like that the bone is it's concave or convex however you do it but like they're like that wide and like he sat there and was just gnawing on it and i was just like he's like oh this is amazing and i was like that thing tastes like a fart dude like that's <laughs> gross but like Cape Buffalo is amazing. Elon's amazing. Uh, Impala schnitzel is by far my favorite meal over there. It's just, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Everything about that place is great. That's awesome. Well, I highly recommend anyone listening to go. It, it's, I think the main thing that people, it's intimidating. It's Africa. And it's, yeah. like, oh my God, it's Ernest Hemingway and elephants and lions. No, dude, you can go over there and shoot planes, game animal planes game for 2,500 bucks. That's cool. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. You kind of talked me into Good it. Time. Um, I heard you mention on another podcast that you're not a super religious guy, but on the same podcast, you mentioned God about three or four times. And that is sort of one of the uh-huh. themes of my podcast. So I wonder, I'm interested in your take on what is your, if you have one, your spiritual connection to the outdoors and hunting, um, or do you feel there is one or what's that? What's, what's the so, relationship there with you? So I grew up in the church. Uh, Methodist covered this went you know went church on Wednesdays went to church on Sundays mm-hmm. went to church camp in the summers spent our summers at ch- you know church stuff like heavily involved in the church yeah I actually took some theology classes in college hundreds easy A's um, and then uh, I identify as a Christian like uh, you know shoulder to shoulder with Christians like um, but I just kind of started questioning my faith when I got into college and got older which I think mm-hmm. is normal for anybody um and like kind of started drifting not to like atheism but just kind of like drifting away from the church you know um i think that's not an uncommon progression i was the same and then um i was in real estate uh, at an early age like 23 and like really killing it like hundreds of thousands of dollars and like built this empire and uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year at the age of 23, like, you know, wow. two, three, $400,000. Um, really good. And then the market crashed in 2008 mm. and I lost everything. And I, and I think one of the things that got me through that, God, please let me find this book. I'm glad you asked this question. Hold on. Let me find it. Yeah. Yeah. Find it. Um, right That's what got me between 2008, 2010. Nice. Okay. And I was married at the time, got divorced, lost everything I had. Um, if you're just listening, it's a New Testament with Psalms, right? Yeah, the faith sharing New Testament with the Psalms. Cool. So I would wake up every day and I would read a psalm. Nice, dude. Um, and very, you know, and like, I don't think you can, like, obviously like Leviticus and stuff like that is kind of out there, you know, like don't mix you know, wool and cotton or whatever, but like, don't boil a lamb in its mother's milk. Yeah. But that, <laughs> dude, that was like to keep people healthy. Like, right. You know, oh yeah. It all had purpose. It just yeah, makes it did. no sense now. And a lot of, a lot of the things we've done as a society that we did then like slavery, like people still harp on that. It's like, it's illegal. Like yeah. we, fuck, we realized we screwed up. Like it was a bad thing. Like at the time, like it served a purpose, but then like, we were like, wait a minute, this is wrong owning people. And now it's illegal. Yeah. And frowned upon, you know, by the world. For so sure. we, we, we make mistakes, but I just like, I don't see how people 
I think if you're a person that runs around trying to disprove religion and that's your thing, that makes you one of the most, in my opinion, it makes you a very horrible person because the basis of religion is faith. You just have to have faith. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we'll prove it. Well, I can't, you just got to have faith. And if you're a person that, that tries to, to steer someone away from that, I think that makes you a really, really bad dude or like you're just a, just a bad person. Like, and then if you look at, I think 72% of the U S population identifies as Christian. I'm not sure the number, but yeah, yeah, probably. I think it's 72%. And I think that, um, if you can like look at the 10 commandments and point something out that you disagree with, I would love to hear the argument about yeah. how it's a, it's a blueprint, how to live your life as a good person. For sure. And you don't have to, you don't, don't take it word for word. Don't believe everything that you read or see. I mean, my God, look at the media in today's day and age, oh, man. 5% of what they say is true. Right. Um, so like, if you're going to attack Christianity, you need to attack everything else at the same time. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I mean, a lot of that stems from just like arrogance. Like people think, that we as humans at this point ha- like have all the knowledge and science can prove everything and if it can't be proven by science like it's not uh, it's not real and like that's just yeah. complete arrogance yeah. in my opinion if you want to talk about science being wrong we've got i've got data <laughs> from the past 16 months man like oh my gosh yeah that's a whole rabbit hole we could go on no we could talk about that for days yeah. but like i think what we're and it, religion is stood, stood the Christianity stood the test of time. Okay, like yeah. it. And like uh, you said, you were in that time, that really rough, raw period of time, and Psalms, which, I mean, it's not all like flowers and butterflies. Like there are some Psalms where it's like he's like I like he's basically talking about how he wants to kill himself, he wants to die, like yeah. his enemies are ki- about to kill him, like he's asking God to like blot their names out of the book of life. Like there's some raw, real stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, and. uh and the, the fact that you were able to kind of fall back on that and it was there for you and encouraged you, that's, that's really cool. Well, I went, well, I did, I it was like, it was super rough. Like, I mean, imagine being like the king of the mountain, like top of the hill, like I was the guy. Yeah. And then it's really, it, when, what's really hard, I was 30 years, 30 to 30, between 30 and 32, 33 when all this was going on. And it's like, nothing in life prepares you for that, right. to lose everything. I lost $15 million. I lost Ooh. everything I had. Wow. Um, it's the best thing ever happened to me. Like without question, like without question, I wouldn't trade it for anything. If you said, I'm going to give you $25 million cash right now, but you got to go back and everything works itself out. I'd be like, no, hell no. I'm, nice. I'm much happier, you know? Um, but like I dude, I went and like sought out like my minister at my church. And I was like, Hey, like, dude, I need some help. I don't know what, yeah. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and have you baptize me and say, oh, you know, Jesus is the answer to everything. I was like, I just I need I need you to give me some like. X's and O's practical help, practical advice. Hmm. I don't I don't I don't want you to witness to me like I don't want you to like, you know, quote scripture and give me a bunch of hey haw shit like I want you to to just like at its most fundamental, like the most basic meaning, like help from Christianity. Like, yeah, kind of butchered that sentence. Like, I, I don't, I want you, I, get it. To, I, want, I want a common sense dose of what you have to offer. That's what yeah. I want you to give me. 
And he was like, he just handed me this book. And he goes, every day I want you to, we start going through some shit. You know, you start having a bad day or you, you know, the banks are calling and talking about foreclosing or attorneys are calling and lawsuits are getting threatened. And you have partners that are suing other partners. And I mean, it was a, it was a nightmare, man. Like, and he was like, I want you to just pull this out and find a song that works for you. And not every Psalm I would read would make sense. I'd be like, what, sure. this is I'm, like, I picked the wrong one. Let me pick another one. This is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, like seriously, seven out of 10 times, man, like just pick one. And like the first letter of Peter, like just pick one and read it. And like, dude, it'll, you can, you can, even if you're like not a believer, like even if you're like, man, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Christianity. I think organized religion is stupid. There's no way you can read this and just take just an open mind approach, to it, which is what I did. You take an open mind approach to it. It makes perfect sense to you. Yeah. You know? Um, so that, that uh, it was very helpful for me. Cool, man. Very helpful. And I can, I believe in, you know, the church, I believe in organized religion. I support organized religion. Um, I think that a religion, you know, like most things in society today, they find the fringe and they seize on it. So like with everything, whether it be welfare, welfare is phenomenal. You just the only thing they talk about is the people that are taking advantage of it. They don't sure. talk about how good it does. Sure. Or emergency medicine services or emergency medical services. Oh, they don't have insurance or freeload and they're riding the system. Okay. Yeah, there are people that do that, but like there's also people that weren't supposed to be born, but they are born mm. and they're messed up and they've got brain issues and they can't think, they can't function properly. And like, what do you want them to do? Just wither away and die on the side of the road? Right. No, this is not north africa like this is america like we take care of people here that need help yes. if you're hungry we're going to get you food but society focuses on the fringe they focus on the republic i'm a republican i'm a conservative i have been my whole life um i will i voted for obama in 2008 if somebody wants to talk to me about that and talk shit we can talk about it but like if you look at the, the fringe of my political party i want nothing to do with them okay then you look at the fringe of the Democratic Party. The Democrats right now don't really want anything to do with these nut jobs. And then the same with the religious right. I don't want anything to do with those guys. Yeah. You know, like I'm a centrist. I like stuff in the middle. Sure. Like I'll hear this viewpoint. I'll hear that viewpoint. But like the people that like, um, what's the church in Kansas uh, that says God? Oh, hates yeah. Back? Yeah. Uh, um, something Baptist. I can't remember. But I know what you're uh, talking what about. Is it? Um, yeah, so like those people, like I don't have time for you. Yeah, no, that's what is crazy. I'm gonna text you in like three hours. Like, like is I'm... it like North Point or something? Or anyway, here's another piece of advice for people listening: Don't Google shit if you don't remember. It. Force yourself to remember it. Huh? Because that was my first thing. I was like, let me Google it really quick. No, 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 because you're not using your brain, man. You're not yeah. working that muscle out. No, but, for sure. Dude, that's one piece of advice. Force yourself to remember stuff. Yeah. You'd be amazed at how much quicker your recall will come about. But, but like, yeah, go, like going to what you're saying, I mean, you know. Westfield, Westfield Baptist Church. Yes. Westboro. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was close. I said North Point. Um, but yeah, people forget that religion is man. Man is flawed and greedy and screwed up spirituality like pure spirituality like that's why you got helped from reading the word of god just pure straight from the source boom mm -hmm. into your soul it helped um but you know sometimes religion the church screws up because they're people just like us you know? yeah you know, it happens all the time with the catholic church it happens all the time in jewish synagogues yeah like nasty shit goes on in those places mm -hmm. but also a lot of good takes place sure 
know, like Sisters of the Poor, you know, like there's a lot of really phenomenal organizations that do a lot of good, but no one talks about that because where we are now as a society, we focus on the negative. I'll give you a hundred dollars for every positive headline you can find on Fox.com or CNN.com today. <laughs> yeah. A hundred bucks a headline. That's positive, man. Right. Everything's psychotically neutral. Yeah. Um, I mean, psychotically negative. Um, That's why I don't even so, read or watch the news ever. Like never. Yeah. Well, it's all brainwashing. Man. Yeah. Like if you like, dude, like seriously, man, like if you were to just sit down and just have an, just have an unbiased approach and be like, I'm going to take an unbiased approach to an hour, two hours of CNN and or two hours of, you know, MSNBC. And then two hours, can I have a piece of that watermelon, sweetheart? And then two hours of Fox news, you would be shocked. You would be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like, what are these people talking about? Right. They just run around gaslighting each other. Yeah. And it's imagine like, if instead of watching two or three hours of news every day, somebody read two or three hours of the Bible or even show another. Come show them your abs. You don't see her abs are beautiful. So imagine if somebody read something positive like the Bible or some other spiritual book or something for two hours instead of just zonking out in front of CNN and getting crammed full of fear and negativity where we or, might be like or go outside for three hours read something about American history. Yeah. Read about, do some research on a topic that like pisses you off. Like, okay, you watched the news yesterday. You're mad as a son of a bitch today. <laughs> and the, the scary part is I guarantee you, most of the people that are listening to this podcast, if you ask yourself, what were you mad about two days ago? They have to go back and check their social media. So they won't <laughs> The site, the new, the outrage, I call it the outrage Olympics. Yeah. The cycle is so fast. It used to be 72 hours. Now it's less than 24 hours. Wow. It's, it, dude, it, I, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, man, it is something else. It is something to behold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Crazy world. So well, it's all about like self. Like, here's another thing, dude. Like, how old are you? 34. God almighty, you're still a child. Um, so the thing that's interesting, man, is like, think about this. When's the last time you learned a new physical skill? Well, I just started doing CrossFit about two years ago, so. Okay, so you're kind of revisiting childhood, you know, physical movements and stuff. But like, think about this, man. Like, when is the last time you learned to do something else, something new? I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, I I do new kind of stuff fairly frequently, probably more than the average person. I like learned how to make a podcast 10 months ago. So that's another thing someone can do would be going out and learning a new physical skill. I was going to watch the yeah. news all Oh, for sure. Pick up archery or whatever it is. Yeah, so like last year I learned to shoot my compound bow left-handed. Oh, yeah. That's, now I heard about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Because of an injury, right? Mm -hmm. Are you still so doing CrossFit? We own a CrossFit gym. Oh, dang, dude. Yeah, How many businesses do you like run? <laughs> you have to actually think about it. Break out your well, abacus. I mean, You're breaking out your abacus. Well, no, no, because that's what that's, so I'll give you an honest answer. So most people don't answer that question honestly because they think it sounds cool to say that the CEO 
like all these self-help gurus out West, like I'm the CEO of seven businesses. You're a liar. You are an absolute <laughs> bold faced liar. Um, <laughs> you might have seven LLCs, but you don't, you don't, you're not a chief executive officer of seven companies. Like that's just not possible. Yeah. So unless they're little shit companies. Um, so we have, so we have, so I have a, I'm big into crypto. That's okay. a big part of my life. Crypto. Then we have, um, we have some rental property. Then we have East Norman Beach CrossFit, the gym, and then my company, Digital Mongoose, and then my job at Black Rifle. Wow. Busy man. Is no, Doge no. going to come back? Hmm? Is Doge coming back? So my thing on like, <laughs> and I'm not a financial advisor, so this, I'm a regular person. So, or Dodge, you whatever look, it's called. You got, you got to look at like, I think like Doge and I don't have any Doge, but I have a millions of Shiba tokens. I have like 60 million Shiba tokens. So they're either going to go to zero or they're going to go higher. And if you look one, two, three, four, five, ten 10 years down the road, will they be worth more then than they were today? Probably so. I would think so because the names are catchy and there will always be millennials trying to get rich off of low price crypto stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's here to stay. I think they both are. I mean, yeah. so I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't get rid of it at all. And yeah. I, I, I think the main thing is just patience. For sure. You know. Yeah. That would be my thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's a huge. That's that's like way out of out of the subject matter. But anyway, um, dude, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, like you're obviously a very busy dude. I could sit here probably and talk to you for a couple more hours, but I'm not going to do that to you. So, um, but I do want to just ask what, just closing question, uh, what's, what's next for Baker Levitt? What's on the horizon? What are you looking forward to or planning? Oh, Could shit. be personal or professional. Um, I need to, uh, honestly, like, uh, just growing Black Rifle's presence in space in the hunting and outdoor space. Cool. That's my main, that's my, that's my goal. Cool, man. Cool. That's what I want to do. Well, you guys are crushing it. So good work. And I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, yeah, man. And glad we could connect. All right, dude. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you, man. Yeah, Let's you too, bud. Time. Yeah, sounds good, man. I appreciate your time. All right. Have a great day. You too, man.